Hello everyone and welcome to the Golden Collective podcast. I'm your host Emily Antcliffe and it's so great to have you here for another episode. Actually as I sat down to record this I realized this is episode 20. I can't believe it we're already at 20 episodes. So thank you. Hey if you've been listening this whole time you've listened to every single episode along the way thank you so much for supporting me in this journey and I'm just so proud of where it's come. I have almost filled the calendar for the rest of the year of guests that I'll be interviewing as well, which is very exciting. And let me tell you, you are in for a treat. I have got some incredible stories and incredible people lined up for you. So make sure you are subscribed, follow along on Instagram as well so that you don't miss a single episode. And of course, I'm very excited to introduce you to today's guest. I am interviewing the beautiful Sonia Ebsry who is an amazing mum and dance teacher in Sydney. And you are going to hear her story of incredible transformation and the work that Jesus did in her life. I think there will be plenty of points in her story that you will maybe all have a moment that you identify with, can relate to. So I know that you're going to get something great out of this. So it's my pleasure to introduce you to my conversation with Sonia. Hey, Sonia, welcome to the Golden Collective podcast. It's so great to have you with us today. I'd love for you to start and just introduce yourself to the listeners. Beautiful. Thanks, Em. Thanks for having me so much today. I'm um, absolutely honoured. I'm a big fan of your podcast. So um, I've pretty much, I think I've listened to every episode. Oh, look Um, at you go. I have. I'm a total fan. So thank you so much. (laughs) I'm absolutely honoured. Um, So my name's Sonia um, and I have been married now for 14 years this year. Um, I am a mum of two beautiful kids. My daughter is nine and my son is about to turn 11, which is crazy. (laughs) Um, I'm married to Scott and we both um, have our own businesses. Um, Scott has been um, a huge believer in um, me sharing my story for a really long time. So I think it's super wonderful that I've actually had this opportunity to share um, a little bit about my story and hoping that it will really help other women and other young girls. Um, So that's exciting. So I run a ballet school called Little Lights. Um, which is located on the northern beaches in Sydney and I've been doing that for seven years. Wow. um, Which is super fun. And before that I was a school teacher before I had kids. I was a school teacher. Um, I taught kindergarten uh, for six and a half years um, and absolutely loved it. So, yeah. That's so sweet. There's honestly nothing cuter than seeing little three-year-olds running around in tutus so if that's part of your daily job I think you're winning (laughs) I think you're right you know it's always that thing of when you come to the studio no matter like what you've gone through no matter if I've had one of those crazy mornings getting out the door as soon as I get there and I just see a little one toddle along in her tutu like everything changes so beautiful oh that's so sweet yeah Are you a dancer yourself? Where did that sort of vision for your dance school come from? So um, I I never wanted to have my own dance school. I always wanted to be a professional ballerina. That was my my big dream from a really young age. So um, I think from I started at two and I fell in love with the discipline of ballet. 
So I think it actually just really appealed to my sense of um, like order and perfection. There was Mm. something I loved about that and I always loved to dress up. So I was a big fan. If I was that kid in the shopping centre with the dress up costume on all the time (laughs) that slept in dress ups and always loved make believe well. So Mm. I was obsessed with the theatre of ballet and Mm. Um, the precision of it I guess so I did um, ballet from the age of two all the way through until I was like uh, was 18 Um, but as I got older I guess I was exposed to the ugly side of ballet and it really I really struggled to put into place where I was going to sit with that Um, And it's not something that's discussed as you grow in ballet. Um, You kind of, at that age, you just kind of go through the motions and you train like Mm. 24-7. But it's not until you get older that you realise that it's a very self-centred industry because Mm. it's all about you. And um, I thought my personality doesn't really match with this style of career. Um, And then I became really injured and had to rethink through a lot of things and that led me to go, oh, okay, I have to do another career now. Um, so it's quite a, it is quite a long story in some ways because, you know, it's kind of taken me on different turns and, um, and that's where I guess, um, you know, you don't know that if you're not a believer at that time of your life, but when yes. you do meet the Lord, then you start to see where he's, who he's put around you and, and you start to understand where you're at and what you've been through. And it was all part of his plan. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so to cut a long story short, basically my dream was always to be a professional ballerina. That's all I wanted to do. And my world came tumbling down when that wasn't a reality anymore um, at the age of pretty much 18. And I was like, I don't know what else. That's all I've ever wanted. Gosh, that's so young. Most people don't even know what they want at that age. I know, I know. And that's it. I was always so driven, um, so driven, like unbelievably. And that's Mm. why I think that really appealed to me. But then there's dangers with that type of personality and finding a craft like ballet, if you're taught in a very unhealthy way, Mm. um then that doesn't really pair very well together so yeah that's that's it that's what I wanted to do (laughs) yes so yeah walk us through what what sort of unfolded in that season for you because we're obviously all about sharing trials in life on this podcast so would you share with us what sort of happened for you in that time definitely so um basically I was obsessed with ballet I loved all sorts everything associated with ballet the beauty and its art form music costuming um I did contemporary as well um and I didn't do a lot of jazz and hip hop and stuff like that. Um, but my ballet school was very ballet focused and mm. um, we would do productions where we would travel around Australia and we would put on these beautiful ballets for um, in like local um, theatres around Australia. It was amazing. Um, but one year I would have been 16 and I had a tooth extraction. Um, I had four teeth that needed to come out and I did the first two and I got an infection in my gum and ended up becoming really sick from it and had quite a mm. bit of time off ballet, which was really unfortunate. And I had already had a phobia of the dentist. So then oh, I no. was like, and I still had to go back and get another two out. So oh, I was <laughs> petrified. Anyway, um, I got really sick and I couldn't eat 
much during that time, obviously, because my gums were so infected. So anyway, I came back to ballet after quite a time off. And my goodness, like, I walked through that door and as we got older, the colours of our leotards got paler. It was like a cruel way um, of, I guess, body shaming, but we wouldn't have known really at the time. It's only looking back now that I kind of realised that. But, yeah, so basically they gave me so much attention for being thin and I, as a young impressionable girl who was always really small, um, I would just put two and two together that it, that I was getting promoted to these beautiful roles that I'd always dreamed of because I'd lost all this weight. And I just snowballed then and it was almost like it took over, it took over my life and the studio as well because it kind of, it's like a, well, because it's so demonic, it kind of grabs hold. And I think because people in that industry because we're in leotards and tights all day, you can't escape any of that. Um, And the type of things, you know, that we would be told was just looking back was just awful, you know. Um, Mm. We'd get in trouble if we had afternoon tea. Um, They would check our lunch boxes. Like it was just a horrible way. But it was like I was blind to the whole thing, really. Mm. In hindsight, I think it just came over And I was so young, you know, I was clinging to this dream and longing for attention um, and I got it. And that was what my mind had thought was what had happened. Mm. Um, So, yeah, so from the age of 16, I I just lived on nothing. You know, I, I had like an apple and I would train for, you know, go to school all day and then train from 3.30 till 7.30, 8 o'clock every night and it affected my family probably more than I thought it had. My mum mm. and my dad were just, um, oh, they were a mess because they were watching their daughter just disappear. Um, and knowing that the thing I loved and brought me so much joy was the thing that was like killing me really. Yes. Um, and people, it's really funny looking back, it's like people don't know how to talk to you, you know. They don't, they they worry for you, but they don't know how to um, really address it because it's very confronting. And I look back and think there's it manifests in different ways in different people. Um, and at my high school, it obviously, being, I went to a girls' school. Um, I had two good friends who walked me through it and would talk to my mum a lot. Um, mm. They weren't they weren't dancers, but they would talk to my mum a lot and say she hasn't eaten today or. Um, we took her to the canteen and we made her eat today and things like that, like super helpful. Um, but it's funny, I never I never competed with anyone other than myself. So I yes. never had a desire to be um, like, I never looked at photos of people or wanted to be a certain way. I just, I was very self-competitive, I guess. Mm. Um, and it just drove me down a path I kind of didn't know how to get out of once I was down there. I was like, this wasn't the intention. Now I'm so far down, I don't actually know how to get out of this. Um, And I was really stuck, very, very stuck. Mm. Um, So it was a very awful, awful time. And I don't remember a lot of my teen years because of that. I think it was pretty traumatic. 
um, that I don't have very a lot of memories of that of mm. that age. I'm 30. Oh, how old am I now? Gosh. <laughs> oh gosh, Em, I'm 30. I'm 38, and um, yeah, I mean that was a long time ago. Now it feels like, yeah. which I am so happy that's a distant memory, but also very traumatic. So mm. um, yeah, yeah. Well, if listeners have heard of my story as well two episodes back they'll know that I'm relating to you right now and Mm. understanding where you're coming from in that industry and sort of slipping into an unhealthy pattern quite innocently but then it becomes so destructive you don't know how to get out you don't know how to get help so were you diagnosed with an eating disorder did you get help what sort of brought you to get help so um I think I knew my dream was to be a ballerina and I didn't want anything to stop me do that. So I intentionally was like, I need to get help. Um, so I, my mum took me to a psychologist. Um, they diagnosed me with anorexia. Um, I remember sitting in a waiting room and knowing I couldn't believe that I'd gotten myself to that point, that that's mm. where I was. Um I remember when I was in there, you know, we didn't have scales in our house. I would never weigh myself. I didn't, I didn't have an obsession with numbers. Um, I did have an obsession with bettering myself on a daily basis. As I said, it were, I was very self-competitive. But when I was in this clinician, she, she said to me, you know what, this is an awful destructive mental health um, battle you're going to face for life, right? So she labelled it as a lifelong debilitating mental health disease, if you would like to call it. And as a, I wasn't a believer then. And I remember sitting there thinking, wow, really? You're mm. supposed to be the one I come to for help. Gosh. But you're the one who's saying I will get better and it might be um, physically I might be able to eat and, and men- physically look better, but um, you'll always struggle with the mental thought patterns behind that. And so I think that just stayed in my mind for a little bit longer. And I remember the thing that turned for, for me was I went, took myself on a date to the shopping centre and made myself get a sandwich and I couldn't eat it. I couldn't even eat it. Like I couldn't even take a bite and I made myself eat the mm-hmm. whole sandwich. And I think I just then made a decision that I had to overcome my mindset and get myself better, right? So it was a really long journey but the rest of the story kind of is more um, wonder-filled when I meet the Lord and what yes. he does. So I managed to get myself better through the help of myself, really. I'm very strong-willed. I decided that I was going to audition for companies overseas and schools and all this stuff, and I knew I wouldn't get anywhere if I wasn't going to get myself better. So I did. Mm. I mentally was not good, but physically I was okay. I was yes. eating enough that I needed to. And then I lived on my own. I moved I moved out of home when I was 17, and I moved to Melbourne, and I did full-time ballet in Melbourne. Um, and I was living alone in the back of a um, granny flat so I didn't have a bathroom or a kitchen unfortunately um, and I didn't know the family in the house and it only became apparent when they went started to go through some marriage problems so I decided that I wouldn't be in the kitchen anymore um, and so you know you can just see how it just starts again like you yeah. think you're better and then I'm like oh, I'm being, you know, I should stay out of that. And so it just was like these little habits that I'd 
picked up that would come and go. Mm. Um, and I think it was just exasperated by the fact that I was in a ballet leotard all day, every day. And um, I obviously had a very low self-esteem at that point in my life. Um, because I believe when like I met the Lord and he showed me my worth, I saw God in me and I didn't want to hurt myself anymore. It was mm. like I loved the body he'd given me and it, it, it totally changed my whole perspective. But um, it just upset me, I think, more that there wasn't enough support. It was kind of like my dance teachers knew, but they allowed it. Mm. It's like they would they allowed that and I think now as myself as a teacher I'm like oh my goodness I can't even imagine what was going through those teachers minds and um it's just so it's so sad it's very very sad but um you know I I'm hoping that this will become more of something that gets spoken about and we can begin to bring more support to those young girls yeah were you met with any criticism uh, from your dance teacher's dance school when you were eating sort of normally again, trying to recover? Was there any backlash because you were eating like a normal healthy person again? Yeah, definitely, definitely. There was a lot of, um, I don't know if it was, yeah, probably from them, but more from my peers right. I think, as well. They were, everyone commented on your food constantly. Mm. It's such a food-driven, weird industry. I, I don't know. It, mm. Like there's so much destruction and deception and darkness and um, there is also another beautiful positive side to it. But I think because my, like I've spoken to lots of friends who've had a beautiful experience of ballet and body yes. image and, and I, I know it's out there. I definitely know it's out there. But um, my experience it, and my cohort of peers was definitely not that experience. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, when I started to eat again, um, I think I was so fearful of becoming a woman. I think that really got me. My ballet teacher would always sort of talk about when you get your period and um, your body developing and, and getting boobs. And, and it was almost like she wanted us to stay like a child really right. looking back I actually think she used to talk a lot about um the sign of a of a healthy ballerina is somebody who doesn't get their period you know and so it's so these little things that that you don't you just go uh-huh uh-huh like you just take it right take it on mm. and take it on and you don't actually realize until you know you get your period and then you think oh no what's gonna happen like mm. is this what's happening am I gonna get really fat like you know and not that I was I never had a fear of losing control. I just didn't know how to eat well, I think, and how I wasn't taught um, the correct way to um, fuel your body like an athlete, like a dancer yes. is, and to train like an athlete. Um, it was like put minimal fuel in and have maximum output and then, yeah. <laughs> and then have no energy mm. <laughs> but still be on point all day, every day and, um, you know, my ballet teacher was like hardcore, right? You know, I had an Egyptian male teacher who, in all honesty, I loved and adored. I thought he was just the most incredible dancer mm -hmm. and I admired him greatly. But, you know, we would put point shoes on and I would they would kill my feet. We'd be on them for hours and then I would ask if I could take them off 
And they'd say, not until we see blood coming through your shoes. And if you don't, we don't see it. And I would be on point longing for my blister to pop. I'm like, please, oh. just stop so I could take my shoe off. You know, that was my experience of the ballet mm. world, right? It, it was just um, competitive and and unless you're really thin, you're not, you're not chosen. And it was all the stereotypes you hear yes. magnified. Um, but I still loved it. So mm. I don't really, you know, I think because I'm a creative, I got wrapped up in the world of ballet and I could disassociate could have those things going on but still love the music and the tutus and the lighting and the costuming and, and I could get swept up in the story. But internally I was just dead. I was absolutely dead. And that is just heartbreaking. How did I do that? I have no idea. Like mm. I don't even know now looking back um, how I managed to keep going with it. But for whatever it was it, I did and I'm, I'm so thankful I did. I'm so thankful I did. Yeah. Well, tell me then, how did you meet Jesus? Where does your faith come into this story? Because I'm like, I'm so angry at those comments that your teachers made and I'm like, I need the Jesus factor now. I know, (laughs) right? Where does the hope come in? Where does, yeah, he bring the revelation and the light into your life? Totally. So um, I was, I came back from Melbourne and then I experimented with many different career paths so I was like I'm going to become a florist and now I'm going to do that nope I don't like that I'm going to go into retail no I don't like that okay I'm going to go and try um, a career as a sports teacher slash dance teacher in high schools oh no I don't like that so I was like honestly because in my head when you know what you want to be from the age of two Mm. I wanted a career but I wanted it was like I was searching for like I'm going to go to uni and I'm going to study that and I will be that, right? Because um, yes. my mum was like, oh, you can go and do a Bachelor of Arts. And I was like, no, but I, what will I have? Like, <laughs> where will I go? Anyway, so um, I actually got invited. My, my dad had a bypass, so like he had a triple bypass surgery. He was in, um, he was in hospital. I was... I went through a very wild stage when I got back from Melbourne because I moved out of home and so then I didn't want to live back at home. So I moved in with a friend and I had a very wild time. We would go out all the time and drank a lot and we had a really fun time together. However, um, it, I was really empty. Mm. Um, my dad went and had a, a triple bypass and my mum ended up running into, in the corridor of the hospital, ran into a beautiful woman called Bronte Waller. I don't know if you know, she's a, a member of our local church at Oxford Falls. Um, anyway, she taught me when I was in year one. So she, oh. was my, she was my year one teacher and was a Christian Anyway, we had a beautiful connection all the way back then and I hadn't seen her since then because she left the school after I finished in year one. And she ran into my mum. So I would have been I would have been 19, um, ran into my mum and my mum was like, Bronte, oh, my goodness, Sonia is a lost little poppet. Like she doesn't know what she wants to be. She's an absolute mess. Here's her number. Can you give her a call? So she called me. And invited me to come to Oxford Falls Grammar School, which was where she was a teacher. Mm. And she took me under her wing and I did a week's work experience. And, I mean, I was a mess, right? (laughs) wasn't a believer. And I'm in a Christian school all of a sudden. And I'm in there, worship 
mornings as a staff and I'm and I just felt this feeling which was the Holy Spirit Mm. and Bronte's like you know what when you're in year one you also wanted to be a teacher I think you should go to uni and be a teacher and I was like okay okay (laughs) so off I went I enrolled in uni and I started my um, degree to become a primary school teacher and at uni I met a beautiful um, a beautiful girl who was in a um, Christian relationship and I had been dating a guy for quite some time, would have been like three and a half years um, and was quite a destructive relationship because, as I said before, you know, I don't think I had a very good self-worth um, in those times. And I met this guy, uh, this girl at uni, and she invited me to come to church with her and I was like, no, no, no. Um, no, 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 I don't want to do that. But it's still every time we spoke and I would hear the way her boyfriend would treat her and I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. And I remember one night we went out for dinner and my boyfriend was invited to come as a family and he didn't show up. And um, my mum said to me, uh, you know, I think God has someone better for you. Mm. And it was a throwaway line. She didn't mean it like that. It was a matter of speech. But I took that because the Lord was planting people around me like, you know, it was just all these constant seeds of like, hello, 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 yes. constantly, right? <laughs> so anyway, at the end, I um, called my friend from uni and I said to her, I think I want to come to church with you. So I rang my boyfriend and I said, oh, I'm going to go to church. And he said, if you go to church, like we have to break up. It's either me or or, or, church, or God. Um, and I said, oh, you know, well, I would like to go to church. And this is a, like, he wanted to marry me eventually. It was a really, like, serious dysfunctional relationship, but Mm. we'd been together for a long part of my journey. And um, anyway, so I did and I enrolled in Alpha, their Alpha course that they had. Oh, awesome. And um, I got saved and in the Holy Spirit weekend and I started going to Pittwater Uniting Church and I absolutely fell in love with Jesus like I ran it was like a radical conversion like Mm. I met with him so he was like made himself so real to me you know and I just was like that person who wanted to just stand on the corners and be like did you know there's a Jesus alive here like (laughs) um and I think because I've always been like a child I always have had a beautiful upbringing Um, my mum exposed me to like story writing and um, imagination and books and all of this from a very young age I'm understanding the things of God have been so simple for me and I've never overcomplicated them and I think that that in itself has just been the most helpful thing in my journey because what God says he is he is to me and what he says in his word is true and despite the external circumstances in my life the word of God and what he says to me is is it because if you spend so much time with children what I love about them is that they they are just, they, they get the word of God and they sing it and it's like, it is, that's it, that's what it yes. is, you know. And he, he just desires that for us to come to him um, like a child. And mm. so I, I found his word and I read his word and I became a crazy person. I literally ate the Bible. Like I'm looking this way because I'm looking at my Bible and I carry it everywhere I go, right? It's at the moment, I'm in the Message Bible and um, 
I just, it is like my everything, right? Mm. So um, it's a huge part, it was a huge part of my recovery. So when I met the Lord, I thought I was healed. But then I remember a few weeks later, I remember hearing the voice of that psychologist and she said to me, you'll always carry this. And God quickly said to me, you are not going to carry that anymore. And he said, that's it. Like I have come to bring you life that you may have Mm. it in abundance and the word will bring you healing. And it was like the hope I needed was like blood to my veins. I remember hearing that and I thought that's what it is. It's demonic. Like it's a spirit that has attached itself to me and it's and I need his love to get rid of it. And so I found every healing scripture I could possibly get Amazing. and I meditated on it and it became my conscience basically. So I had a, my stream of consciousness became the word of God. And I think I grew a new, I became a new person. I wanted to say I grew a new person. That's super weird. I, didn't grow <laughs> I became a new person. And that is what happened. Like he, he transformed my mind with the renewing of the word, which is what he says he will do. And I became this, the person he had created me to be. So mm. the, my self-esteem became so strong. My thought life became so strong. My, the way that he had always intended me to be as a, as a, um, as a human, I became. And so um, there were no more obstacles for me anymore. Wow. And I, I went to a prayer school and um, I'd been a Christian for like six months and my friend who took take me to church she's like hey going to this prayer school would you like to come you can learn to become a prayer minister and I was like oh my gosh I don't even know if I'm praying right like sure (laughs) that sounds great and I went and um I got like 100% delivered from any thoughts that I still had about my body or um any destructive um patterns of thinking I walked out of that place a new person and to that day that's been my story and he he really really hammered that scripture that talks about how he will restore the years that the locust has stolen and I felt quite robbed because I was like you know god I had this beautiful dream of being this ballerina and I had I always had visions as a young girl of of what life would be like traveling with company and yeah that I was like, I feel robbed of that. But you know what? Like when I met the Lord, he's like, you wait and see what I have in store for you. Mm. Like it is more than you could have ever dreamed or imagined. And that is my testimony to a T. Like, you know, I, I would not um, wish what I went through upon anybody. But um, if I'm honest with you, it's taught me so much about Mm. who I am as a person and our ability to overcome it's hard work like I think sometimes with healing I've noticed that a lot of people when they're going through the really hard things you know sometimes we do get miraculous healings and it can happen in an instant um but I love the journey of healing you know I think as hard as it is I think there's so much to that um and I love, I just love character development. I'm so mm. in awe of when you push into God, how much you can grow. Um, and looking back now, I'm like, wow, like I am not the person I used to be. And I'm so thankful now I have a nine-year-old daughter um, 
And I think to myself, she's stronger than I was at her age. She's a little powerhouse. Like I am like, she's going to change the world, that girl. But I'm so thankful that I've not passed anything on to her. And that was one of the things I was adamant about before I had Mm. children. I was like, Lord, hurry up, get rid of anything in me that I may spiritually pass on. I'm cutting all these ties. I want to be able to do all this stuff. And I went into like heavy warfare for all of those things that I felt like could be you know, and sure, there'll still be some things like we all have that we pass on to our kids. But um, I am thankful for, you know, just position where I positioned myself um, and the way that God has used um, the word of God to transform my thinking. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I honestly, it's the, it's medicine, 100% yes. medicine to your body. I'd love for you to speak into that a little more for people listening that maybe are in the thick of their own Mm, battle mm. with their self-worth their self-esteem yeah perhaps they've come from yeah a toxic workplace or industry that they're in how do you renew your mind how do you (laughs) seek God for confirmation Mm. of who he's called you to be in Christ a hundred percent well I think the first thing for me was always to acknowledge the lies of the enemy Mm. so you have to really have the um the desire to expose the devil for who he is and be able to discern that voice and to know that those things that you're meditating on are not the desires of God. Like, you know, I um, one of my biggest things as a mum is to teach my kids how to have a good thought life. And I just think it's a good they have a lot of a lot of time now is spent in the school curriculum on, on um, like mindfulness really and um teaching them how to think well. And I'm stoked for that because we never had that growing up. However, as a Christian, we have even more um, that we can do where we can we can learn mm. how God can do that for us and we can partner with him to do that together. Um, so, you know, when I see my kids going down the school um, bush track at their old school and they would find out whether they were being picked for their sport team, which at that age is everything, right? Now, I'm not yeah. with them in that. I'm not getting an email about that to share that news with them. So I'm saying to them, when you get down there, if your name's not on that board, like what are you going to do? You're not going to turn and say, oh, I'm an idiot. I can't do that anymore. I'm like, no, no, no. Like you've got to have a good thought life. You've got to say, I, I'm better. This doesn't define who I am. So so basically what, what I've always done is um, expose the lies for what they are mm. and find something in the Bible that teaches you the exact opposite of what he says, so right. of what the devil yeah. says. So you basically you're firing a dart at him and exposing mm. the life for what it is and replacing it with the truth. And then, to be honest, you've got to get that. You've got to get it in your spirit. It's got to become a part of who you are. And speaking the, that over your life, um, I don't know. It, it it just it something in you just shifts and you become. One day you're like, oh my gosh, like. I don't think that of myself anymore. I'm replay my my thought life is totally. I'm seeing myself. I know I'm confident, but I'm confident in Christ. I'm not confident mm. in myself. I'm confident in Christ. I don't have. I want to do that. I want to give that a go. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It, it's not about me. It's about what He's done in me. And I think because I'm so aware of the fragility often of women and their thought life and mm. um. It just becomes normal. I think it's something that you don't even, you're not even aware of. But when you can change that, it's so powerful. Yes. And it, it affects your entire life. And it's not to say that I don't have bad days, but I'm able to, I can quickly catch myself now. 
Great. And I speak very sternly to myself. Mm. And some people might not like to do that, but I will say, okay, be sad. Okay, that's enough. Like pick yourself up and move on. Now, having run a ballet school now for seven years, working in a business, you can't, you you have to be strong. Like if someone comes to you and says something negative, but you've got a choice to make, like are you going to fall apart and you can't please everybody. So I think I have just positioned myself at Jesus' feet and said to him, use me, like whatever you want to do through me, because that comes back to um, I don't think I could do any of the things that I'm doing now if I didn't have a strong thought life and I didn't have um, had didn't have my mind renewed yeah. um, through His Word, you know. And it's yeah, it's a, it's daily, isn't it? It's every day you have to do that. Mm, yes. Yeah, want to do that. Well, as a true fan of the Golden Collective podcast, I'm sure you'll know this question is coming, (laughs) but what do you feel is the gold that was produced in your life as a result of walking through that season? Sometimes it can be really tough when you're in the middle of a trial, but once you're out of it, sometimes you can reflect and go, God, I see what you were doing. I see what you've produced and still being able to give glory even in the really tough times. So what has been the gold in your life, Sonia? Well, I would say that, you know, looking back at my journey of being going through all of that in the ballet world and then going to uni, meeting the Lord, becoming a school teacher, having my own kids, hmm. and then the Lord whispering to me and saying, um, you're going to dance again. Beautiful. And I was like, oh, no. And I, <laughs> so I hadn't picked up a pair of ballet shoes for 10 years. Gosh. And I was not in my mind to even do that. And he's like, you know what? No, I've, I've called you into this and are oh, you going to do it and you're going to do it my way? Hmm. And I remember thinking, wait, what? Like I thought those my shoes were hung up. Like I really <laughs> thought that my time had completely changed. But he needed me to meet him and he needed me to have my own children, have a daughter and have a really strong healing story and so then I birthed Little Lights and um, Little Lights to me is just everything that a ballet school should be and yes. and more. It's everything light and it's everything creative and it's a light-filled space that is always for me and a reminder of the goodness of God. So, you know, at the ballet world for me was dark but this is my light-filled space and that is so God. And I remember he gave me this verse and it's in um, Matthew 5 and the verse he gave me when I started Little Lights was, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your youthfulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. Mm. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, the generous Father in heaven. And that is the verse he gave me when I started Little Lights. Great. And 
you know, we're now close to 400 families at the school. We've got a waiting list of about 250 kids. We've had close to 10 salvations through the ballet school. Um, that's families who've met the Lord, you know, mm. and so that's, that's God, right? That is yes. so his story to take the brokenness that I had um, in, the, in the industry that caused me that to then go away, meet him, be healed, and now be in a place where I can minister through mm. through dance that caused me so much pain. Yes. Um, but so I don't see what I do as teaching dance. I've never seen it as that. It's about bringing um, creativity and life and light into families. And mm. dance is my um, my vehicle, I guess, my what I've got yes. in my hands, basically. Um, and yeah, I've been incredibly stubborn with it the whole time. I'm like, I want to see you move, Lord. Like, I'm not advertising. I want you to bring the people. You bring the right people. Um, and he did. It, it mm. like it's totally been um, miraculous provision by God. And um, I'm excited because now we're in lockdown, and now I'm able to flip the business to actually send into studios other ballet studios a touch of what we do at Little Lights and start to form connections all around the world we just had an inquiry from Mexico they want to get hold of some of our stuff so um there's yeah I reckon it's only just the beginning with all of that stuff but I'm so thankful that I actually listened to the unctioning of the Holy Spirit and Mm. didn't fall apart and say oh there's no way I could do that I don't, I don't think I could, I'm not capable of that or what, what, I haven't danced in 10 years, mm. like, well, I know how to do it, I don't know what the dance world is like, like, what is the industry like now, like, I, I could have held on to all of those I don't knows, yes. but because I remained planted in God and my strength was in him, mm. I did it, just followed him, I was just like, you tell me where you want me to go, I know you've called me to be there, um, so, yeah, that's that's basically it. Oh, what a beautiful <laughs> redemptive story. Yeah. Yeah. I love that it went full circle. Now you're influencing so many families and so many little future ballerinas' lives yeah. and having a positive oh, impact on them and um, valuing who they are and well, all that and they that, are. That's it. It's like words. Uh, words are my love language and words to me bring life and it's the way that God speaks to me so when I'm close with him my words are filled with life right and I think like the way I speak to my students it's like I just treat that as the most beautiful privilege Mm. and to share like those things that I see in them and I wish that someone had done that for me like I wish that I'd had someone who could have come alongside me and just gone like you're this and you're that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, like if someone can be in that industry and speak that way for those young girls who are so um, are trying to find out who they are, it to me it's like, oh, you don't know who's speaking into their life. Mm. You know? Even through Zoom now when I'm teaching the girls through Zoom, I can see their world now because I can yes. see into their homes and I can see 
some situations that I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. And then that's it. I'm in like hyperdrive. Oh my goodness, it's so lovely to see you today. <laughs> and that's my goal is just to lift them from that place mm. to that place. So it's a privilege. It's an absolute. Oh, it's, it's such a beautiful perspective and attitude to have to not be resentful about mm. what had happened to you and what was spoken over you but now that you've got that redemption that you've mm. got from Jesus you can now have that positive influence mm. in other people 100% you can be that person you always wished you had and, yeah. and you can make a change 100% yeah, yeah. Oh, well thank you so much Sonia for sharing your story with the Golden Collective community it was just such a great story to yeah hear that full circle redemption and you're dancing again and you've got that influence on other young lives so thank you for who you are and all that you're doing in the community and yes thank you for being open and sharing your story with us today thank you beautiful it's an absolute honor i'm really 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 stoked to be here oh thank you wow what a beautiful story and let me tell you sonia just oozes enthusiasm and passion I can't wait to see the next generation of girls that are raised up because of incredible leaders and teachers like Sonia. She's just such a beautiful person and I'm really honoured that she came and shared her story with us. I always close each episode in prayer and this time I felt to really pray for people who need to pick up their dreams again and perhaps you've come from a past where it was in a toxic environment or just life circumstances meant you had to sacrifice maybe some of your dreams. I just really felt to pray this time that you could dream again and have that same passion return to you and that the healing would take place that needs to. So let's pray. God, I thank you for the incredible story that Sonia shared with us today and I thank you for the way that you have worked throughout her life and brought that redemption back to her dreams and her passions. And I just pray for anyone listening who is in a similar situation where maybe their dreams in the past have been tainted by a toxic environment or they've had to sacrifice dreams for other life circumstances. Lord, I thank you, God, that you can bring healing and restoration into those areas of our lives. And I just declare that anyone listening who's had to lay down some dreams would feel the encouragement and the hope to pick them up again, knowing that can be done in a new day under a new blessing and a new covering. So, Lord, I thank you for a fresh wind, a fresh fire, a fresh inspiration, Lord, in these listeners to dream again, to hope again, to get back into what brings them joy. And Lord, I thank you that you will bless them and also bring your restoration in those areas of their life too. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I would love for you all to join me in doing something special and supportive right now. Would you open up the podcast app that you're listening to right now and find the section where you can do a rate and review would you be so kind to right now stop what you're doing and just pop in, you know, five stars if you think it's worth it <laughs> and a lovely glowing review just to let other people know what you enjoy about the Golden Collective podcast, what you get from it and why other people should listen. That would really help get the word out. So thank you so much for joining me and supporting me in that way. That actually means a lot to me. So thank you for doing that. And of course, I'll be with you in just a couple of weeks time with a new story. I can't wait to share with you what we've got next. And of course, 
follow along on Instagram, which is at goldencollective underscore for all the chats in between episodes. I can't wait to see you next time. And until then, stay golden.